Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 6, around verse 19. This is a part of the of the scriptures. It's some commonly called to uh, refer to as the Beatitudes. It's it's a place where Jesus had sat down on the top of a hill and was teaching his followers how to live. And in this particular spot where we're going to pick it up, it was around a certain topic, which is in verse 19. And the screen may come and go. It's uh, like your attention; it comes and goes. <laughs> Do not store up for yourselves treasure. I hate we all have fun. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Someone say heart. And down to verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, down to verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? No, can't. Or a hair to your head. So do not worry, verse 31, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's the people who don't know God, who are not followers of Jesus, run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first, seek first his kingdom, that's your heavenly father's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that you, it accomplishes the purposes that it sets out to do. Thank you, Lord, that you will adjust us, direct us, correct us, realign us by the power of your word, encourage us and strengthen us in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I grew up in in a small town, as many of you are aware, in the cusp, and even a smaller town called Burton, B.C., which is in the Kootenays, the West Kootenays of B.C. And uh, my dad uh, worked in the logging industry, uh, as many of his friends, including him, did in the mid-60s, quit school in grade 10, and went to work in the bush, making money. Because you can make money or you can go to school. And when you're 16... What do you choose almost every time? But that was a different time in Canada where you, uh, a high school education was optional, let alone a university education. But he was a, spent most of his time as a log and truck driver, and which meant early mornings and late nights and long days and all of that kind of thing. But sometimes I would get to go with him in his logging truck. So we'd drive way back into the bush uh, and uh, get to a place where the logs were, had been cut up and were into lengths and would start to load the truck up. 
little by little by little. And as it got fuller and fuller, as the load was almost done, uh, I noticed my dad would look. Uh, there was a little digital box underneath of his seat uh, that he would keep track of and he'd be watching it. And uh, over time, he would just keep closer and be looking at the load. And, and then finally, he would go like that to the lo person who was loading the logs and say, that's enough, all done. And we would wrap the logs with some cables and head off to drop them in the water or at a, at a mill or wherever they ended up. Uh, the re the, what he was watching in that little box was called, it, it showed the, the weight that was on the truck. And it was very important that he did not go over the limit of what he was supposed to do. Why was that? Well, if he went on the road and was pulled over because his load was too heavy, he's right over there. He's just a young guy. Of he's, Now he works part-time, just 40 hours a week now in his late 70s. So if you're a logger, you know what that is. But uh, you would head it there and he'd be careful to not be overweight because if he was, what would happen if the, the DOT, the Department of Transportation, pulled you over, you would get a fine and you would have to pay money because you were overweight. And if you were overweight consistently on your truck, it would also begin to damage your truck because it was over the capacity of what the truck was meant to carry. And then in a certain times of the year, if the trucks were overweight, they would cause the road to be broken up and damage the road for other people. And then over time, if you just left things like that, the truck was also, when it was overweight, could be harder to control. Uh, sometimes I've, I've seen trucks like that. There are almost so much weight on them that the front tires are kind of almost kind of bouncing, barely touching on the ground. And so it's very, very important that you were not driving over limit. It could be dangerous to the truck. It could be dangerous to the people around you. It could be dangerous to the, to the environment that you are in. Over the limit. Most of us are not truck drivers in the room. There may be some others in the room. I'm not sure. But many of us run over the limit in our lives. Over the limit, maybe not on a logging truck, but we risk because we're over the limit, damaging ourselves, damaging the situations around us, damaging the people around us, and maybe causing some difficulty of controlling our lives. And the people in Princeton know what I'm talking about, about logging trucks. There are, there's probably some parked outside the church right now, uh, right there. There's people, in fact, I have relatives that live and work in that area as well. But what do I mean by being over the limit? Even prior to the pandemic, people would say, if you ask them, how are you doing? Often there would be times like, wow, I'm busy or I'm stretched or I'm, I'm stretched. But even pre-pandemic, if you ask people, we're, many of us were over the limit in our finances. We're over the limit in our frustration, over the limit on our calendar, over the limit in different areas of our life, over the limit in worry, over the limit in anger, over the limit in, in, in all kinds of areas, over the limit in our job, over the limit in relational frustration in, in, in our family, maybe over the limit in so many areas. And now we're into the 22nd month of a six-week pandemic. And I regularly talk with people that feel harried not hairy, harried, and unsatisfied, busy, fatigued, anxious, frustrated, overwhelmed, over the limit. And what can happen, eventually the weight can cause you to forget your wins. 
Eventually, the weight can do what it could do to that truck when it was over the limit, cause damage to you, cause damage to your relationships, cause damage to your life, and even make your life seemingly at times not going where it should go. Because, oh, when we're over the limit, that weight can cause us to forget our wins. We might be forgetting that God is still for us and not against us. We might be forgetting that greater is he that's within us than he that is in the world. We might be forgetting that he who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. We might be forgetting, forgetting that we can lift our eyes up and see that who is our help in time of need, it's God. We might be forgetting that God has the ability to take every evil thing and turn it around for our good. We might be forgetting that even though the enemy has plans against us, greater is our God that's within us. We might be forgetting that in the middle of all the way that there are still wins that God has done in our life and still wants to do in our life. But sometimes all we can feel is over the limit. I would have said amen by sometime by now. I'm just telling you. If you want to help me preach this morning, let me know you're out there. Some of you are reminded, I still see you now you're not watching online. Well, if you're watching online, don't turn me down. We've been talking about following Jesus whenever, wherever, however, forever. Reminding ourselves that Jesus called his disciples to follow him wherever he would call us to go. And, you know, we sometimes think, well, it was different back then, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus asked those people to follow him. It was a lot easier, a lot less complicated. We didn't have to deal with all the things we have to deal with in our day, and it certainly was different. But don't ever kid yourself that it was any easier. Jesus was asking his disciples to follow him when they were under the boot of a Roman dictatorship. He was asking them to follow them, follow him in a world gone crazy, where pedophilia was normalized, where slavery was celebrated, where there was chaos on every level, where there was uh, all the, the things that could go wrong. If you were a follower of Jesus, you weren't just, oh, we think you're weird. You could be persecuted, not only persecuted, maybe nailed to a cross. But in that space, Jesus said, follow me. And he invites us. He says, I don't just know the way, I am the way. But sometimes when you're over the limit, you're more aware of the weight than you are of the wind that Jesus could or has done in your life or wants to do through your life. It was a crazy world. But in this same space, Jesus said, follow me and join me in changing the world. And then he says this in verse uh, Matthew 6 and 21, where your treasure is, there your heart, someone say heart, your heart will be also. In other words, wherever you invest your time, wherever you invest your talent, wherever you invest your treasure, that's where your heart will be. Some people say, well, I'm just going to follow my heart. Well, you're already leading your heart by where you're investing who you are. If your heart's not where it needs to be, you can change that by changing what you invest. And Jesus went on to make that very clear, where he said in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or, but what is, in our culture, we say time is, because there's nothing that you can invest greater than your time. There's no greater resource than you have than your time. Because you can always, if you lose your money, you can always get more money. If you lose your friends, you can always get new friends. But if you lose time, 
you can never get it back. And it's so important. And Jesus is trying to draw a line and draw our attention to if you're in a space of over limit, because he says the challenge can be you're either serving God or you're serving something else, something that would steal, kill, and destroy from you. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. There is a continual battle for your heart and my heart. Whether you're in Princeton, whether you're here, whether you're online, whether in the UK, whether, whether you're far around the world, wherever we are, there's a continual battle for our heart. Why? Why the big deal? Because whatever has your heart controls your life. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there where your heart will be also. In Proverbs 4 and 23, it says, guard your heart with all diligence for everything that flows from that. Whatever's in your heart flows out in your life. He said, so whatever has your heart has your life. Whatever has your life has your present. Whatever has your present has your future. In other words, your future is determined and going to run by what's in your heart and what has your heart. So when Jesus is saying this, he's reminding us that there's this tension between God's way and our way, God's way and the way of the world and the system that we're growing up. And if we're not careful in the what's happening in the world can begin to form us. There's a battle for your heart, but it's not just for your heart. That's why it's so important to pay attention to what's in your heart. If there's pain in your heart, it's going to come out in your life. If there's bitterness in your heart, it's going to come out in your life. If there's anger in my heart, it's going to come out in my life. If there's discouragement or if there's addiction or if there's frustration, whatever is in my heart comes out in my life. And Jesus is saying, Craig, people of Horizon, people listening, there's a battle for our hearts because whatever has our heart has our life. And what Jesus has called our lives to be is a He says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And then it says, but there is a thief that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, what's at stake is not just you having a nice day. It's that the reality of the goodness of God, of your life having impact, of your life having purpose, everything starts in our heart because God created you on purpose for a purpose. Not only that, when you surrender your life to him, He fills you with the Holy Spirit and empowers you to live. He is showing us a pathway to live our lives. Instead of living over the limit all the time, to live under the Holy Spirit and to live a life that's full of joy, that's full of peace, that's full of his presence, that's full of his life, that's full of no matter what I'm walking through, that his presence is with me. And when I'm walking through a dark valley, he is with me. But sometimes when we're over the limit or under the weight, we forget who we serve and who we're walking with. What are some signs that your heart might be over the limit this morning in following Jesus? Because if your heart's over the limit, you follow what's in your heart instead of following Jesus. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Those are the kind of things that we tend to worry about. The things that we can see, the things that, how much money is in my bank account? How much food? Am I going to lose my job? Am I, uh, how, how, how are people seeing me? What, what are people looking at me about on our social media or, or in the world around us? What's happening? What's going to happen over there? Is this, is, is, is there going to be shortages in a, in a few months? I don't know. 
all these things that, that are continually out there and they can spin around in our hearts such that they direct our hearts rather than Jesus directing our hearts where instead of him leading us, worry runs us, anxiety runs us, frustration runs us, uh, uh, discouragement runs us, anger runs us, bitterness runs us, whatever is in our heart will come out in our life and Jesus is reminding us again and he brings us to a place and causes us to look at one thing. There's all this stuff going on, but seek first. Someone say first. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things that we worry about, he's going to take care of. But seek first. Jesus teaches us that our life and our freedom is not found in what we're doing or what we're accumulating, but in keeping God and his purpose first in our life. Jesus and his kingdom. Life becomes much simpler when it becomes about one thing. Not about all those other things, not about what I'm getting, not what about uh, how well I'm doing or my, what activity people are impressed with in my life. Simplicity. And that's a spiritual practice we're going to look at this morning. Simplicity. Because to an overlimit people, to people that are overwhelmed in so many areas, to a people that are in the middle of a global pandemic, to a people that are living and growing in a culture that says accumulate more, that the, the, the person with the most stuff at the end of it all wins, to a culture that's uh, absolutely obsessed with how we look in social medias and what we project out with people, to a culture that's worrying about what's going to happen in our political world, to a culture that's worried about so many things. Jesus says there's all that stuff but I want you to focus on this first. And in her book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines, Practices That Transform Us, a lady by the name of Adele Calhoun de defines this spiritual practice that Jesus talks about. Simplicity cultivates the great art of letting go. Simplicity aims at loosening our attachments to doing and having. Simplicity is meant to uncomplicate and untangle my life so that I can focus on what really matters. Over the limit, in so many ways, and we've forgotten the main thing, the simple thing. See, our first th thought, though, is that simplicity means just simply getting rid of things. And it's definitely part of that because our culture is driven materialistically. And in particular, my generation, Gen, Gen Xers, and the one uh, before me, the, the baby boomers, and before that, the greatest generation, they had it all good. They went through a depression, and they value everything. The boomers a little got a little bit more uh, uh, materialistic, materialistic, my generation even more. But interestingly enough, if it was just about things, millennials, they get a lot of a bad rap. But millennials, it, we, 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 uh, the research is showing us, and Gen Z, any Gen Z in the room? Yeah, one, thank you. Zach, Zach's here. There's more. That Gen Z is basically people that are like 21, 22, and, and under. That's, uh, that's another whole generation. But what we're seeing is that millennials and Gen Z are different. They're not as materialistic. Young adults, yes, many of them have uh, many uh, great student loans, but they have... Uh, 
the percentage of those under 35 with credit card debt is at its lowest level in 30 years. Most millennials are just as happy, not all of them, but are just as happy with generic things uh, rather than uh, uh, luxury products, and they are less interested in the luxury things, although some of them will definitely splurge for some uh, Air Jordans, that kind of thing. But if the heart of simplicity was, was just owning less, then you would think that they would be happier. But the one thing that we see about millennials and young, the number of young adults is that they are more anxious and more overwhelmed, and it's increased and increasing despite not being as obsessed with what they have and getting more. So if it was just having less, then it would be easy. Still not meeting the need. So maybe it's because we're so busy, because we are, we tend to be very, very busy in our culture. But since the 1960s, Work hours have decreased by eight hours a week in Canada. And leisure hours have gone up correspondingly in Canada. Civic engagement, that means being involved in the world around you. People used to be involved in like girl guides and boy scouts and, and this club and that kind of thing. That's gone down to its, some of its lowest levels in the last 50 years. Young adults are hosting and attending events 40% less often than they did a decade ago. And as such, the number of close friends has declined as well. So there's less time, there's more time for leisure, less time being invested in friends. So there's, that would think we'd free up even more time. Yet still, even then, most of us, 45 or 40% of us still feel like we're overworked. Half of us feel that we have too many tasks to complete in any given week. Anybody been there? What else? Two-thirds of us feel we don't have enough time for ourselves or for our spouse. And three-quarters of us don't feel like we have enough time with our kids. So if less stuff meant, meant the need for simplicity, we would already uh, see a generation having that. If it went let more time for doing what we wanted to do, the things that we thought were important, we would have that but it's not working because simplicity cannot just be a practice. It needs to have a center, which is a clear purpose. Because if you just stop doing things and, and, and stop buying things, you might have less stuff and have more time, but you may not be any more fulfilled in doing what God's called you to do. Because get this, simplicity cannot just be a practice. It must have at its center a purpose. Simplicity, Proverbs 29 and 18 gives us that clear reminder. Where there is no vision, people live carelessly. We don't live with purpose. So if you're aiming at nothing, you will hit it. But it does not meet the need of our heart that God has put within us to be a person that makes a difference, to be a person that sees God using them, to be a person that knows and lives and walks in the goodness of God. The purpose, of, the purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. Let me say that again. The purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. You have a sacred obligation to become who God's called you to be. You have a sacred obligation to become who God has called you and created you to be. Only you can fulfill the calling of God by becoming a wise steward of the gifts of God, the resources of God, the time that God, God's given you, the place that he's placed you in, and 
Purpose is what drives simplicity and helps it in so many ways because the purpose of simplicity is not just to have a, an easier life. The purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. Matthew 6, we see that Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Simplicity means I uncomplicate and untangle my life so I can focus on what really matters. But I would venture to say that most of us don't know what really matters in our life. We have a vague idea, but most of us don't know what really matters for my life. On the big picture thing, you had to serve God and, and all that kind of thing. But of course, Craig, but without a clear purpose, you lack a way to decide how you will spend your time and your resources and your talent. You'll just drift like a piece of cork on the ocean, bobbing along wherever the waves take you and wondering at the end of every week, what did I do? What was, I just feel tired, but what did I do? What am I about? Because every one of you, myself, those watching online, people in Princeton right now, have been created on purpose for a purpose. And your best life is found in living for the purpose of God. Because the purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. To live your purpose. To live, you must invariably do some things less, of course. But it might mean also that you do some things more. It's interesting to me, and I've walked with people through this journey many, many times over the last 30 years. And sometimes we make the fatal mistake of saying, my life is overwhelmed, so I'm going to stop going to church. I could pick about five things before you do that one. Maybe watch a little less of that TV. Maybe, maybe spend a little less time surfing the internet. Maybe spend a little less time on social media and a little bit more time. In your, there's a lot more things that you can do before you go there. True simplicity is, yes, doing less of mat what matters least and doing more of what matters most. So it's not doing nothing and just sitting, mm, and waiting for things to change. It means that living with purpose allows you to discern whether you should be involved with that thing, whether you, your life should be more constricted or it should be more expanded. It allows you to, instead of wandering aimlessly, you, you're, you might have to make some choices. Yes, less chips, Craig, but also some more walking. It might mean less TV and more talking. It might mean less social media and more board games with your family. Purpose-driven simplicity allows you to choose the essential over the secondary, the important over the urgent, and the best over the good. But if you don't know what is at the center of your life and what God has called you, birthed you into this world, done good things in your life for, then you will just live aimlessly and not live in what God has called you to live. And you will be like we said earlier, why do you worry about this? Why do you worry about that? And, and you, you're, I'm worried about what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, what you're going to have. Will I have enough resource? But when you begin to live with purpose, as Jesus said, putting the kingdom of God first, the purpose of God for your life, the reason why you've been born at this time in history and not some other time, the reason why you are the way you are, the experiences that you have gone through that you think are good, have disqualified you, but God is working in you. 
And in the middle of it all, we can lose sight and all we're aware of is the weight that we're under, the difficulty we're walking through, the season that we're in, and we can lose sight of the purpose of God for our life, that God has called you to be one that would make a difference, that God has gifted you with gifts so that you could lift somebody up the way that you were lifted up. Purpose-driven life. It guides you in doing the right things at the right time for the right amount of time. But many of us have forgotten what it means to live on purpose. It it enables you to live a life of purpose. The purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. What's your purpose? Some people automatically think, well, my job. And if it's my job, oh my goodness, it's terrible. But your life is not your job. Your purpose is not necessarily your job. It may be, but it is not necessarily. But your purpose is flowing out of who you are and who God's created you to be. It's not just something that you do at a church service. It's not just something you do in a small group. It's who God's made you to be. It's who you're gifted to be. Purpose clues for you could be this. How you're gifted and wired is a a clue. I sometimes will sit in meetings with people who are incredibly detail-oriented. And after a while, they're telling me every little detail of it. And I start to just like zone out because I am not a super detailed person. Details are important. God's in the details. Somebody needs to be taking them. But if it's me, it's going to be a problem. And some of you detailed person, people need to be around somebody who thinks at a 30,000 foot level so that your details are part of building something together. And so whatever we are, how you're gifted and wired is a clue. If you're an encourager, guess what you should do? It's not a trick question. <laughs> if you're an encourager, what do you think you should do? Wow, some of you just got a revelation this morning. How you are wired by God is how you should do. It's a great clue to your purpose. So if you're an encourager and you step into a room, your highest purpose in that meeting is to ensure not just that things are done, but that people come out of there and they're like, I am sure glad that that person is in the room. Mike Andre comes in the room and everybody's like, I feel a little better when I'm done. Is that not true? And if your purpose is, a, is somebody who has hospitality, or maybe you're someone that plays an instrument well, maybe you're somebody that when people are around you, they just start to get organized. Some of you organize me. My wife is one of them. <laughs> All of us have somebody like that in our life. Some of us have somebody who's a strategizer that they just start thinking in certain ways. Some of you are gifted as givers. And I don't just mean of money. Some of you are just love to give to people. You love to give your time. You love to give uh, uh, hospitality. You love to just give and be generous with people. Some of you are like that. The best way that you can live as part of living out your purpose in simplicity is making sure that you are having time in your life to be hospitable and generous. That the weight, the over limit doesn't stop the purpose of God. So sometimes it's how you're wired. Sometimes things that bother you are a clue to your purpose. I talked this week to a guy in our church, Rod McGinnis, and he, uh, he works at Night Shift, which is a ministry to help people that are uh, the working poor or people on the street in North uh, Surrey. 
And uh, he told me, because uh, what we do is Horizon Church, your generosity uh, feeds every Friday night uh, uh, loads of people, 100, 100 plus people, food and uh, soup and sandwiches that are made here on site. We pay for it and people uh, serve it to people. But he started telling me this week, he said, because I was asking him about how his involvement on it. He says, so important. He said, this is why I do it. It's important that people on the street know that, that there's hope for them and that, that, that there is a way forward for their life. And I was like, yeah, that's really good. And then came the clincher for me because he said, when many, many years ago, I was on the street too. And I was one of them. And he said, if someone... If the church and people around me had not spoken life to me, had not pulled me up, had not uh, poured out on me, he said, I would not be here today. I would not be alive today. So some people were using their gifts to help Rod, but now that bothers Rod that people are in that situation. So that gives him a clue to his purpose. And sometimes things that bother you are a clue, and and not that I wear strange clothes, that don't, you know, you have the shirts that I wear sometimes. That might bother you. Just let that one go. It's not going to change. But I'm talking about real things. It might bother you that there are kids that go to sleep hungry in our city. And so you might want to get involved with somewhere that helps to feed people. It might bother you that prisoners are there. Um, no, let, let me just tell you that people that are in prison, I can guarantee you that none of them were growing up dreaming of the day that they could be in prison. But things have happened in their life. They may be done things, but things have also happened to them that have brought them to a space where somebody needs to be able to be so bothered that they go into a prison and say, there's a plan for your life, young man. There's a purpose for your life, young woman that God has, God has seen all that's gone on in your life and today can be your day and life can begin to change for you because somebody begins to be bothered by it enough that they do something. There might be all kinds of weight, but they move things aside so that they can live the purpose of God for their life. And those are the kind of things that are often clues to what God wants you to do. Some of you might be bothered that we don't have coffee right now. That's, there's a reason for that. It's COVID. But the reality is that some of you are just so hospitable and you notice things that aren't right around hospitality. That's a clue. It's not a curse. It's a clue. We need you to live and the world needs you to live out of your purpose because the purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. Not only are how you're gifted and wired a clue to your purpose, not only is it things that bother you a clue to your purpose, things that inspire you are a clue to your purpose. We sometimes will have on YouTube some, I will, or I will hear in the other room some beautiful music playing on YouTube or sitting right beside me, Elena will be playing it and I will look over and it's beautiful and I like it. And tears are streaming down her face. She says, is that beautiful, Dad? I was like, yeah, it's nice. I guess it's nice. But to her, it inspires her. And you know what happens then? It inspires her to go get on a keyboard and learn and practice and learn new things. It inspires her to write and create music that inspires somebody else. Things that inspire you are often a clue of how God wants to use you. Some of you are inspired with helping people. That's incredible. You see someone helping and you're like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to dive in and be a helper in that kind of thing. When I do that, things, when I get to be a part of that, I just come alive. 
Because the purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. And so sometimes it means we have to get rid of some, some things that are taking up too much of our time or so much stuff that takes so much of our time or, or so much accumulation that takes so much of our money so that we can make some room. Maybe we need to make room in our schedule, whatever it causes to be. But God's design of you reveals his destiny for you. And the enemy does not want you to live out the destiny of God for your life. Because when you do, hell shakes. Because when you start to live out the purpose of God for your life, things begin to shift in your world. When you start to live out the purpose of God for your life, the people around you will begin to know it and their lives will be better for it. When you start to live out the simple purpose of God for your life, the world begins to shift and change because that's what God does. When his power Power is on you to work through you. God wants to do something in you, but God also wants to do something through you. There's nothing better than walking and living in the purpose of God for your life. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us that we are God's handiwork or work of art created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. If you're still alive, if you're still breathing air, the, the purpose of your life is not to retire. That's the God of Canada. If I can just make enough so I can retire one day. Some of us, uh, there's some, some who are, are my friends in, in this congregation, they say they're on Freedom 85. If you know what that is, by 85, they're going to be working until they're 85. That's just kind of the plan. But because our culture has made retirement almost the goal of our life. But the goal of our life is to serve God and to glorify him forever, that we would live so out of purpose, that we see our world change, that we see our lives change, that our life begins to have purpose and meaning. Maybe in our workplace, yes, but not necessarily just there. Maybe in our home life, maybe in our, our, uh, in the, our friendships, maybe in our neighborhood, wherever we are, that we begin to live not based on the culture of the world, which is doing and having and accumulating, but begin to live with the simple purpose of serving and glorifying God. The purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. And your purpose is sometimes revealed out of trial and error. Sometimes it's trying things and doing things and and, and suddenly you, you begin to see that God, God is helping you in it and you can do, do something. When I was 17 and 18 years old, I was literally afraid of people. I was very, very shy. And I remember somebody asked me to help them with Wednesday night, seven to 12 year olds. Seven to 12 year olds, if you already have confidence issues, scare you. Like seven to 12 year olds have just like, they're going, it's crazy. And I said, okay, I'll help you as long as you're there. And I was there and he was there with me a couple of times. And then he left a message for me. I won't be there tonight. It's all up to you. No, no, please, no. But what I discovered is as I stepped out and did it, I began to discover that a little bit more about who God made me and little by little, little places of involvement here and doing, trying something there and, and found out I wasn't good in some things and found out I was better in other things. Uh, I never dreamed of the day that I would be speaking as on a regular basis in front of people. But little by little here and there with God's help, things begin to open in me and through me. And whoever you are, wherever we're at, Everyone's personal mission will vary, but there's one spiritual purpose common to all of us. It's to become who God created you to be and to not let the weight of life cause you to forget that God's intended you to win 
in your life, that you would not live over limit so that you live dangerously for yourself, that you cause problems in your life, that you cause problems in the world around you, but you begin to live with simplicity because the, simplic the goal of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. If you're, I want to just go through five quick things to help you to live in simplicity and then we'll be done to help you center, after you center on your purpose, one is to declutter your heart. Five things to declutter. Declutter your heart, because out of your heart, everything flows. You might have to forgive. You might need some counseling. You may, might need to go to, to talk with somebody, whatever it would be. Declutter your heart, because out of your heart, everything flows. You might need to repent. You might need to release things. Then declutter your spaces, and that means could mean your workspace. It could mean your home space. It might could mean it means some. It might mean. And I used to do this with my kids when they were small. I got tired of tripping over toys and stepping on Lego, because you step on those invariably when you have bare feet. Take one room at a time, and take a bag with you. Maybe two. One is to recycle. One is to reuse with somebody else. One is to go to the trash and maybe one room at a time and begin to declutter your spaces. Maybe you have too much stuff. Maybe you have to get somebody else to go through your closet because it's not gonna fit again. I've had to do that with some things that I, I really like that. I have to get rid of it. It's not gonna fit again. The battle is over, Craig. It's time to give up. Declutter your spaces. Declutter your digital life. Some of us spend so much time looking into the glowing screen that we forget what it's like to look into the eyes of people. And more and more in this world right now, we need to deliberately reduce our social media life. Deliberately do it. If you're hooked on checking your social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, sometimes you might have to remove the apps. About six or eight weeks ago, I removed the apps off my phone. And if you've been messaging me on, me on Facebook, I haven't gotten back to you. That's why. Because it was just consuming too much of my time. It was not helpful to my mental health. And if, you're, if you notice you're watching cable news and it shows that it's stressing you out, turn it off. Declutter your digital life and invest in something else. Declutter your heart, declutter your spaces, declutter your digital life, declutter your calendar. Well, how do I decide what I'm going to do or not going to do? Make sure I seek first God's kingdom, the priority and purpose that he's made for my life. That comes first, and then I take some other things out of my calendar or add them in. When our kids were small, an example of this was we said our kids could be involved in one thing, one sport or activity. Not two, not three, not four. Yeah, but what if they're going to be a sports star? Then get them into sports. But they're probably not going to be a sports star and Mozart. Like maybe you have to choose because it just fills up your calendar. And at the end of our life, we said, we want our kids to love God, to love us, and to love the church of Jesus. And so we're going to make sure that those things are at the center of how we spend our time. One activity, habits become your habitation. What you do consistently becomes what you live. Declutter your calendar, declutter your free time. What is claiming too much of your time and focus? Eliminate the distraction or addiction from your life. 
Maybe you have a habit of every night, two and three hours of TV or four hours. I don't know. Maybe you have a habit of just, maybe it's not a digital thing. Maybe it's just doing something over here that is isolating you, you from people. I don't know. But declutter your free time. And when you're, what, another thing that that can mean is as well, when you're at work, work. When you're at home or you're playing, play. Enjoy the space. Be present where you are. Declutter your heart, declutter your spaces, declutter your digital life, your calendar, your free time, because the purpose of your life is to live a life of purpose. Simplicity is only a tool to help you, to help me, to live a life of purpose so that we can experience what Jesus promised, that I have come, that you might have life and have it to the full, that we can live out the purpose of God in our life, through our life, experiencing what Jesus promised to us. I invite you to stand to your feet. The purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. And that will, when you begin to walk with purpose, it helps you to follow Jesus. And when you begin to follow Jesus, then your life, everything begins to shift. Instead of following the culture, instead of following accumulation, instead of following what I have to do and all the things I have to do, Stepping back and giving space and saying, God, I want to live out of your purpose for my life. I want to just pray for a moment for you. Bow your head, close your eyes. and Lord Jesus, we want to be people that follow you. We want to be people not follow you just so that we can have an easier life or any of those kind of things. Lord, I know that you've called each one in this room to be one that would live and walk with purpose, that their life, they've been born at this time in history. If if they're a student in Bible college, Lord, I thank you that their purpose right now is to know you. Lord, if they're a, uh, if, if, if they're a, a stay-at-home parent, Lord, I think thank you that their purpose right now is raising the next generation. Lord, if they're working in a workplace, Lord, whatever the gifts that you've placed on them to be an encourager, to be one that would lift others up. Lord, whatever our purpose, Lord, that we would live with that at the center, that we will make make the glorifying of God our number one priority with our life and everything else would come after that. Because Lord Jesus, we know that you want to change our lives. Instead of living over limit, under the weight affecting ourselves, our relationships, those around us. Lord, I pray that we would live lightly under the purpose of God for our lives. Pray your blessing over each and every one as we close out now in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.